This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Hey, this is a really special message that Shari and I were able to share at our church together about the family. We want to help you understand that your family is a team. Whether you're an empty nester, whether you're newlyweds, whether you have small children or teenagers in the home, or whether you've been married for 50 years, your family is actually a little outpost of the kingdom of God. And we want to give you some practical and biblical tips on how you can work together as a team in your family for God's glory and for your good. So enjoy this practical message straight from the Bible about the power of your family. Winning as a team, and whether or not you know it, whether or not you recognize it, I want to make you aware of the fact that you have a team in your home. You have a team in your home, whatever form or shape your family has taken or is currently in, if you begin to see your home as a place where a team lives and a team is trained, then it will change the way that you approach life in general. Um, When I was in high school, Shari and I, uh, we're only two years apart, but we grew up in the 1900s and that's when we attended school. And so in 1988, y'all, 1988, Uh, I was a sophomore at Hillcrest High School, and this just dawned on me. The shoes I'm wearing right now are Air Jordan black toes. For those of y'all that don't know what they are, they're pretty awesome. These are originals that my kids bought me for Christmas last year. These are not remakes, these are originals, and they were made in 1988. I just realized that, go God. Okay, so. I go into the locker room at Hillcrest High School where I just made the varsity football team and what I saw on the wall stuck with me. I saw two words, one big word on top, team, one little word right underneath it, me. The team is bigger than me. The team is bigger than you. The team is all of us collectively working together as the body of Christ as a family. When you see your home as a place where there is a team, it'll change the way that you live your life. Now, let me tell you what we're gonna do uh, in the time that we have today. We're gonna teach you four practical things about how you can win as a team. Let me go ahead and give them to you right now. Number one, we're gonna talk about the roles on the team. Who does what? And how do you know and how do you know when roles change? Because on every team, you've got players, you've got coaches, you've got support, and we're all the team of God, the family of God, and your home has a team, and there are roles on that team. We're gonna talk about the roles. Uh, Number two, we're gonna talk about handling conflict. We're gonna talk about how to fight, because you're gonna fight. And if you're in a home and you're not fighting with somebody, you ain't doing it right. Okay, it is part of being on a team. We're gonna talk about how you handle conflict. Then number three, we're gonna talk about getting better as a team, improving, making yourself a better part of the team, making the team better so that for the glory of God and for the kingdom of Jesus, we can win as a team. And then finally, Uh, We're gonna talk about the ultimate goal of winning as a team, which is legacy. We wanna help teach you today that you can begin right now, if you haven't already done it, living on mission in a team, and that team will outlive you. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest victories, I believe, that we'll ever see as a team, as a family, in a home, or even as a church, those victories will be won after we're all dead and gone and we're with Jesus. 
Um, Shari, you have some scripture that we've talked about that really does kind of frame out where we wanna go with this today. Right, as Clayton and I were talking about this message, we were talking about how to be a team. And the best team builder ever um, was Jesus Christ because his legacy is seen in this room right here. We're all here because of the life of Jesus Christ. And he came to earth to build a legacy, but he was living for his father. He didn't even, he wasn't even living for himself. He said his life was worth nothing and he gave it for us out of obedience to the father. So he made himself the little me for the big team, which is us. It's good. So when he was about to go to the cross to die, he had his team of guys with him, his 12 disciples, and two of the disciples are thinking to themselves, what is Jesus talking about as far as dying? Possibly they thought, we don't want him to die, so we need to make this not happen. Who knows what's going on in their brains? But they said to him, hey, can we be the guys on your left and your right hand? In other words, can we be the most important guys on the team? Right. And Jesus looks at them and he's like, you don't understand what you're saying. And the other disciples, understandably, get kind of upset with these two guys because they're trying to lift themselves up and be more important than everyone else. And here's what Jesus says to them in Mark 10, 42. It says, and Jesus called to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here's what I know. I know that in my life, it's hard for me to put other people in front of myself because I've lived with myself my whole life. I know how I think, I know what I want, I know my dreams and my passions. And so sometimes as far as team living is concerned and living as a family, it's hard to put ourselves aside. But Jesus is telling his guys, when I leave, then one of the most important things for you guys to remember is that it's not about you. It's about the legacy that you're leaving for the kingdom of God on this earth. And so he's saying you have to be a servant if you're gonna make that happen. You can't be lifting yourself up. You have to lift me up. You have to lift one another up. And when the disciples asked Jesus that question, can we sit on your right and your left hand? You know what they really wanted? They wanted a position. But what Jesus is essentially saying to them is, hey, you can be great if you serve. You can be a great person if you serve. And so when we think about roles, we think about your team and your home and and, and kind of the configuration of your life right now, everybody has a role on the team. And I gotta tell you a story. Shari and I come from very different worlds, okay? By the way, teams are made up of very different people, okay? You, you may even think when you, you know, get ready to have a kid, oh, they're gonna be so perfect, they're gonna be just like me or they're gonna be just like him or her. Um, you don't get to pre-order. You don't get to put in the, the kind of personality you want them to have. They are born with it and you gotta deal with it. Amen, parents? So Shari and I come from different worlds. She's a city girl from Atlanta. I'm a country boy from Fountain Inn. So when I took Shari home to meet my family on the farm in Fountain Inn, she was unprepared for the cultural experience. 
we sit down to eat supper. My, my mom had a role. My mom's role was to take care of the groceries and the food and the children and the clothes and the laundry. My mom also cut grass and she was great at it. My mom was a, was a great, great woman. My dad's job was to work really hard, to make the money. And that was kind of their role. So when Shari comes home with me, the first time to our home, we eat a, a meal together with my family. I had to interpret for her what they were saying because their Southern accents were so thick and I had the gift of interpretation. And so that's a blessing. And then after, so after the meal was over, my dad goes to the den to sit down in his chair. My dad never put a dish in a sink. My dad never washed a dish as far as I know. My mom did it all. My dad goes and sits down. My mom brings him a glass of sweet tea. That's his post-dinner sweet tea, post-dinner drink. My dad drinks it while he's watching Judge Judy and reading the newspaper. My mom's in the kitchen washing dishes. My dad finishes his glass of sweet tea. I kid you not. Takes the glass, holds it in his hand, never said a word. He just rattled the ice in the glass. And that was my mom's cue. She came running around the corner with a pitcher full of sweet tea, filled it up for my dad. He said, thank you, Miss Jane. And she went right back to work. And I wanna say, that blessed your life, didn't it, Shari, when you saw that happen? That was an inspiration for things to come, right? Man, all I know is I'm sitting there on the couch watching this happen, and it happened very often, and I just thought to myself, I hope Clayton's not expecting that, because I did not grow up that way. And the thing is, it's not that their roles were wrong or that they should have done it any other way. It worked for their family. It's just that it wasn't the way that I grew up. It wasn't something that I understood. For a lot of my life, my mom functioned very much as a single mom. And so if she worked late and she wasn't gonna come home, she'd call my brother and I and she'd say, I can't make dinner, I've gotta work late. And so we'd pull out hamburger helper and a pound of ground beef and we'd cook the meat and boil the noodles and make dinner on our own so that when she came home, we could eat. And so we'd do our homework and we'd clean, um, just different things like that. And so what I learned growing up is wherever there's a gap, you just fill in the gap. That's good. That's how I grew up. That's just how I functioned. I wasn't used to the roles of like mom and dad cooking and, and cleaning as mom and then the working as just dad. And so when we met, we had to figure out how we were gonna live our lives and what our roles were gonna be. Yeah, and we had, a, I mean, we had a conversation right off the bat when we met each other. And we just, we hope that this is encouraging to you because you, when you find out who does what and the roles in a, in a family and in your home and on the team, it's really about seeing what gifts the Holy Spirit has given the people around you, okay? And, and I love being part of a church Ooh, where we're experiencing and we're learning about the Holy Spirit and how he gifts people. And so what we've had to learn is if there's a gap, if there's a need, somebody can fill it. And what I'm good at, I'll do. What she's good at, she'll do. And there are times where your role on the team means you may not be good at something right now, but it needs to get done. So guess what? Get it done. Just do it. And when you work as a team and you play team ball, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We had a conversation early on in our relationship. Uh, we were sitting in the driveway in my pickup truck and we had been dating for a little while and I had to give Shari the talk. And so I just let her know, hey, if you're gonna marry me, you're gonna be married to a minister. You need to know I'm called to preach the gospel and I'm gonna die serving Jesus. And I thought that was gonna be some big epic moment. Yeah, I think he was trying to scare me off. I think he was like, I'm laying down the gauntlet and we're gonna see how she takes it. 
And if she's scared and jumps out of my car, I guess it's over. And so pretty much I just looked at him and I said, well, I hope you're not expecting me to sit at home and twiddle my thumbs because I'm called to be in ministry too. And I wanna go with you. I wanna do this with you as a team. And that's just how I saw our relationship. And so I think that in the beginning, we, didn't, we weren't on the same page but very, very soon we started learning how to be on the same page. Which, which brings us to the second point that we wanna to make today, and that is handling conflict, okay? Handling conflict. If you are going to be in relationships and on the team with other human beings, you are going to have conflict. It is inevitable. And what we've learned is you're gonna fight, whether it's a roommate or a spouse or a child, uh, it doesn't matter. You're gonna fight with people that live in your home. So if you're gonna fight, why not fight for unity? Why not fight to get an alignment? Why not fight for the things that matter? And look, cards on the table, we fight. We are two very strong-willed, opinionated people. And what we've learned is if we're gonna fight, the fighting is only awkward when you fail to handle conflict. And so I just wanna throw this out to you. There may be some folks at our campuses right now, your greatest victory on the team lies on the other side of a conflict you're refusing to have. Your greatest win as a team in your home could be that awkward conversation you won't have because you're afraid. And we've just learned that with our own boys, that if you do handle conflict, it can work out. Right, I grew up just not wanting to create conflict and so I, I very much avoided it. I didn't like hard conversations. So the, act, the comment that I made in that car that day was almost a miracle on my part to say how, what I thought and how I felt to this strong guy who has such a good voice and to speak so well all of the things that he believes and thinks. It was intimidating for me. So when we got married, I had to learn how to speak what I thought and to be okay with that like unrest feeling inside. I've had to do the same with my children. Conflict can be scary, but in that, in these situations, if you don't say it, mm -hmm. then you don't work it out. Right. And so we've had to learn that conflict is actually a gift sometimes. That's right, and, and hopefully in your home, whoever is around you in your home, if they watch you handle conflict in a healthy way, they learn by example. Hey, I'll be back in just a minute to finish this important message, but I wanted to tell you about the location of our ministry. We actually produce these messages on the campus of Anderson University in South Carolina. We moved our ministry here in 2014 so that we could host our Crossroads summer camps right here at Anderson. It is the largest private institution in the whole state of South Carolina. It's special to me because my son is a student here. My wife's getting her master's degree here. This is our home. There are 59 major degree programs available at Anderson University. And some of the ones that you might be interested in are Christian studies, kinesiology, graphic design, cybersecurity, biology, and political science. There's also an amazing seminary here called Clamp Divinity School. And it's just really, really special. We'll see 6,100 students attend our Crossroads summer camps here. If you're interested, go to andersonuniversity.edu. That's andersonuniversity.edu. Now back to the message. You can have conflict and you can handle conflict. And when you do that, it takes us to the third point, okay? Getting better as a team, improving. If you always ignore the hard conversations, you'll never get better. Great teams always look for ways to improve. 
And I tell you, you know, if you watch TV, if you're into sports at all, you'll notice teams that lose always point fingers at other people on the team when they lose. They blame another part of the team or a coach or someone besides themselves. Winning teams always get better and they always take responsibility. And and so I've learned this, even a great coach, I've seen coaches do this, my coach used to do this. If the team takes a loss and in in the post-game interview, the coach would say, that's my fault, I didn't have the team prepared. If the team gets a win, the coach says, The team did a great job. All the coaches prepared the team. That's one way we get better as a team. I I love this verse. There's a verse from Hebrews 10, 24. It's so short. It's actually almost part of a verse, but I want you to see this verse and realize that we can get better in our homes as a team. Look at this verse, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's think about ways, let's consider ways that we can make each other better, that we can stir each other up to love each other more and to work harder for good. And I love that concept. Yeah, considering how doesn't mean just thinking it and letting it go away. Considering how, I believe, in this context is looking at the people on your team. Now, this could be your family members in your home, or it could be a roommate. It could be a friend at school. It could be a coworker. The thing is, the team of God is the church of God. Right. And so we're all team members in here. We're all working for the same purpose. The reality is we're all here to glorify Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Consider how you can be the servant of all. Consider how you can serve one another. And the best way that I've learned that is specifically in our family and even in my friendships is if I'm willing to get to know my friends and my family and my teammates on their level, who are they? What is their personality? How do they work and what are their gifts? It's my job to help them succeed and their calling. And so with my husband, um, I didn't naturally, I'm not a natural verbal encourager. I think about a lot of things in my brain, but they don't always come out of my you mouth. You think about a lot of things. A lot in your of brain. things, like constant, right? And so what I have good thoughts about him, but sometimes I don't actually say them out loud. It just, that's the way that I am. So I've had to learn that he needs that. It's his personality for me to need to encourage him. But because it's not mine, I've chosen to do that for him. Right. Also, I have to see about my children. So people ask me, how do you parent? Well. What kind of kids do you have? My kids are two completely different children. I don't parent them the same way. Jacob can take harsher criticism or instruction than Joseph does. And so Joseph is more tender sometimes with his feelings and I have to be a little more gentler in the things that I say and very much consider my words. And so who is it on your team? What gifts do they have? What is their personality and how can you best serve them As Jesus said, instead of being a big me, we're becoming a little me for the big team. Right, and so as you stir each other up in your home, as as a college student, you stir up your roommates to love and good works. As As an empty nest couple, you know how you could stir each other up towards love and good works? You've got that extra bedroom in your house. How about move somebody in that needs a place to stay? We've had, I tried to count, we've had, I believe, 21 different people live with us, not counting our children, 
children. 21 different people since we were married have lived with us. We've had a, a family with children. We've had uh, the Leanne's lived with us for a couple of weeks when they moved to America. Uh, that's why he likes fried food. And 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 uh, what's that? And newly, we had newlyweds. We had newlyweds that lived with us. <laughs> in our us. basement. We've had single men, single yes. women. They're part of our team. They're part of our family. And, and so you can get better as a team if you will stir each other up. And one of the things that you did for me when we first got married, see, I just thought that I'm so smart. That's what I thought. <laughs> And when she's telling me how frustrated she is about something or some person, my response was always, well, Shari, what you need, need to, to do, do is... Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. And I just got so sick of being told what I need to do because here's my reality. I knew what I needed to do. I just needed someone to listen to me say how frustrated I was. Amen, ladies, right? Some of y'all were like, preach to my husband right now. And you know what? We are so much better as a team because I have learned to just and listen. That's right. We're getting better. You know what? We're getting better. We've married 20 years and the next 20 are gonna be even better than the first 20. We're not perfect, but we're getting better. Well, hey, you know, our ultimate goal uh, for us as a team is not to raise our boys. That's not our ultimate goal. We have two children, two boys, that's it. Our goal is to raise godly men who will lead great teams. That's our goal. I don't wanna just raise boys. We wanna raise godly men who will one day lead great teams. And that's our final point today. It's the, the word legacy. Right, and when Clayton and I think about legacy, I just wanna be very clear. We're talking from the perspective very much this morning of a nuclear family, but I've had people influence my life that haven't necessarily been family members. Now, my grandmother and my grandfather are amazing, my mom, I mean, I've had some great influences in that direction, but some of my greatest decisions in my life have been influenced by my campus pastor when I was in college. Another person who has influenced me greatly is younger than me. She um, came and nannied my children for seven summers in a row. She lived with us for seven weeks. And so we don't, we're not just talking about Clayton, Shari, and the boys. We're talking about all the people who connect into our lives and we have the ability to pour into them and they have the ability to pour into us. And why are we doing this? so that we can make Jesus's legacy greater. Right. So that in 20, 100, 1,000 years from now, whatever we're doing as a church lasts in this world and makes a difference for the kingdom of God. That's what legacy really is. That's why we're here on earth, not to build our name, but to build the name right. of the King of heaven who we love. You know the cool thing about it is? God has picked every single one of us to be on his team. Every single one of us is on his team. And I'm gonna tell you what I've learned. Teams that win are teams that do it together. They're teams that know their roles. They embrace conflict when they need to. They're constantly getting better and they live for a legacy that will last. When the team is big, 
and the individual is small, we can live for a legacy that will outlive us, our children and our children's children and the people that we come in contact with, that we disciple, that we do life with, we can make a difference in their lives when we realize that the team is big and we're a part of it. Hey, one of the beautiful things about the kingdom of God is that no matter what kind of family you've come from, or even if you feel like you don't have an intact family now, you can be a part of the family of God, His church. So whether you're single or married or divorced, it doesn't matter, God loves you and you have a place in His family, the local body of Christ. So I wanna encourage you to plug into your local church, to be involved to get your hands dirty in the messy work of the kingdom for the glory of God in the family of God. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.